0: Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and today on the show I have a video editor and animator based in Atlanta, Georgia. He has helped produce multiple television and web commercials and he also has had his hand in the movie production industry and on the side he's also a stand-up comedian. So please welcome to the show Louis Galanti. Welcome to the show Louis. Thanks
1: Max. Uh, that was a perfect introduction. I was afraid I was going to have to explain it all but that was pretty much
0: on the nose oh oh, perfect so now so now i've just basically summed up your entire life
1: yeah pretty much and uh you know i'll just i'll just die a happy man i I don't need anything else added
0: (laughs) all right excellent well thank you to lewis for being on the show today uh thank (laughs) you (laughs) i guess we're done (laughs) yeah well uh yeah yeah, you can play the end credits the the shortest Um, interview at a, a minute and 12 seconds weird yeah <laughs> i'm excited to talk to you though because i've never uh on the show i've never had a video editor or an animator and i saw that on your website and was, i was very intrigued by it um but i i want to start way back when when you were a kid um because i know you For do sure. have some interest in comedy as well as the entertainment industry in general um because that's what For you sure. do so growing up What are some of your earliest either late night influences or television or movie or just any type of influences that influenced you that for your interests?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely say um, late night TV was probably a mix between like watching, you know, late night with Conan O'Brien and then a lot of Adult Swim. Uh, I just I was able to stay up late, watch a lot of Cartoon Network, uh, a lot of Space Ghost, a lot of things like that. Um, a lot of weird, quirky comedy. Um, but, yeah, but then my – so, for, like, really what influenced me to do, I guess, stand-up was, the, like, uh, premium blend or comic remix, like these shows on Comedy Central that would just show clips of comedians doing little bits. And so that was, like, something more that got me interested in comedy specifically, like, that I, I watched a lot.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: but that's not really late night. That's more, like, daytime television. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Yeah.
0: So you mentioned watching a lot of Adult Swim and Cartoon Network and like the quirky shows. So was your style of comedy that you originally, you know, developed at your the young age or your teen years, was it a quirky style of comedy? Was, was Did you like the weird in humor?
1: Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know, I kind of enjoyed um Getting a joke like a while after it was, I don't know, you know, I'm like not as straightforward of a of a joke or obvious of a comedic line in in some of these shows. So but I'm not really sure if because I don't think my comedy is like that now, but it's definitely like what I used to watch. So I don't
0: know. So what age were you when you realized that not only did you enjoy comedy, but you also enjoyed doing comedy and making others laugh?
1: Um, I'd say, all right, so in eighth grade, I was at this, uh, private day school that had a, like a media production team. And this is kind of actually how I got into video editing too. Um, but basically we had a media, media production team and we do like a news segment every week. And I was like the weather guy and I kind of would do little skits as the weatherman. I'd do like impressions of other people. (laughs) And that's kind how I started entertaining people, um, but it wasn't really stand up, you know, it was kind of like writing segments, so it wasn't exactly stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be the earliest age where I was like really entertaining people, it's probably like eighth grade,
0: okay. You know? And so, when it was getting the reaction of the laughter, people thought it was funny. Uh, did it make you think that that's what you wanted to do is pursue something in comedy?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think like walking around the school after doing like a segment on the news and everyone seeing it and feeling, like, "Oh, that was that was so funny." Uh, it was it was kind of I don't want to say I liked the attention, but it, I kind of liked the attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. people like walk around the school. Everyone everyone kind of like, "Oh, that's, you know, you were funny today." So that kind of like helped influence me uh, to want to I guess make people laugh. But I didn't really start getting into up until
0: like end of high. So, wow. So you started stand-up in high school.
1: Yeah. All right. So, so I'm glad you bring this up. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, I do want to say I've listened to some of your podcasts and I'm, I'm loving it. So I've listened to a bunch of the stand-ups and like, I am not, even though the first time I did stand-up was 2009, I've not done stand-up for nine years. I wouldn't say that. Like, if you met me, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been doing this for nine years. I'd say on and off, I've mm-hmm. been doing it since 2009, but I'm not as like, seasons of a comedian like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like yeah you know open for all these people like i'm not like that level you know mm-hmm. but i did start early and i don't know i you know i've I've gone in and out of the comedy scene you know over time mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm getting back into it but you're catching me on an interesting
0: time <laughs> so i just i'm so amazed by it because to start so young i mean uh, stand-up is dominated by Older people. When I say older people, I mean like in their 20s and in their 30s, but like older people. So when you first started, was it difficult for you to get a foot in the door because you were so young? Um,
1: Kind of. But so basically what I did was my senior year of high school, I got to take this class called Directed Study. It was taught by my English teacher. And basically the idea behind the class was you can choose any subject that you want to study but you just have to write the curriculum for it. So I just chose stand-up just to, you know, study like the history and art of it. And then part of that curriculum was having to perform sets and like record them. So that kind of helped me get onto some stages, even though I wasn't 18 yet, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, Hey, like I'm doing this for a school project. Um, And people were cool about that. Uh, So, but it was, it was weird because it's not, it's like, yeah, you're, you're the youngest kid in the room. By you know, at least five, six years, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it's not like an environment for, like, a 17, 18-year-old for sure. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, but, I mean, you know, but people start young. I mean, some of the best comedians start when they're, like, 13, 14 years old. So Mm -hmm. it's it's just an interesting um,
0: thing. Right, right. It's very true. And, I mean, I can't imagine the, the pressure that you must feel when, like, uh, you, you get to your first set that you've ever done, and, like, you're surrounded by people who've been doing it longer than you. I mean, I'm sure the pressure was very high that first time. Yeah, but I think I didn't,
1: re- like, I think I was a little naive when I started. I didn't realize, like, oh, people spend all their time and their lives to, you know, become a stand comedian. I'm just goofing off trying to out like, I didn't even think about, like, that perspective of it, like, being surrounded, you know, going up, you know, following people that have been doing it for years. Like, that doesn't really cross my mind. At least the first time I did it, I didn't really think about that. Mm. Um, I was just nervous, honestly. <laughs> so,
0: When you first did it, uh, who did you study in order to get your first set written? Um,
1: what, I'm trying to, honestly, my first set was just like, it was just a bunch of like gross sex jokes. And it was, like, not funny at all. So I, I, I was probably, like, influenced by Nick Swarton or, like, Bo Burnham or something. But it wasn't It wasn't good. Like, it's, like, they're all recorded and on YouTube. But I, I don't know why they're <laughs> up there. <laughs> I think I privatized most of them. But yeah. I mean, I, I was studying all these com- historical comedians, you know, like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and all these. Uh, uh, like, George Carlin is also, like, I love George Carlin. But, you know, I'm not writing. I wasn't writing killer material as an 18 year old because you don't really know anything about life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, so so it's kind of hard. So I really just made up things that I thought were funny, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I went with.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting too how you mentioned you know it's hard for an 18 year old to write content because they don't know a lot about life. So your stand up more recently, or maybe not you know this year, but maybe a couple years back. Over time, did you start to transition that the, the content that you were writing from those gross sex jokes to more personal things dealing with life because you know more?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it started – I started developing that when I was in college. So basically, I'll, here, I'll go through the brief history of my stand-up um, time so I can just explain it. So I was – 2009, I did it like four times. I was 18, I did it four times. And I took a four-year break until my senior year of college, and that was 2013. And so that's when I really started, like, learning a lot more, going to open mics. And I went to UGA in Athens, and so it was a really cool comedy scene to come up with. To And so that's kind of where I really realized, okay, you know, these people are talking about their lives, and they're they're pretty funny people. Let me, like, look at my life and see what's funny about it and just try to write jokes. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I started really
0: doing that. Okay, Um, so if that's your stand-up route, how did you get into video editing and animation?
1: All right, cool. Um, So basically, so I went to college, University of Georgia. That's what I I studied: math, media arts, which is pretty much just you know video production and post-production. And uh, when I was in Athens, like I was about to graduate, and I actually got a job in Athens. So I didn't have to move essentially. I could just kind of stay in Athens and hang out. And I was video editing for like this re- kind of reality TV shows on um, Comcast. And then while I was doing that, I was kind of doing stand up as well like, in Athens. But it was kind of like a simultaneous like, oh, I wasn't planning on like I had moved to Atlanta to work in films and I had worked on a couple movies. And then uh, this just opportunity happened where I just kind of took it and uh, decided to, to edit because it, you know.
0: I enjoyed it. so. Mm -hmm. With you enjoying editing so much, um, and the reason why I ask you this is because one of my best friends, that's what he wants to do. He wants to be a film editor. And so whenever we watch a movie or TV show, if there's like an awkward cut or an awkward edit, it like drives him nuts. So do you find yourself being more critical of that when you watch other people's content?
1: Yeah, definitely. That is, like, a curse of kind of <laughs> doing it for a living. It's, like, yeah, I know. I almost, like, I'll be honest. Like, I don't I don't go to a lot of movies now. I don't watch a lot of, like, critically acclaimed shows. I watch Forensic Files. I watch, like, Diners, Drivers, and Dives. Like, pretty low-end production. Like, but it's fun to, like, entertain me, you know? Because mm-hmm. I just get so, I'm just like, oh, the lighting is really weird in this shot. And it's different in this. So it's, like, for me to ignore all of that, I just kind of watch no, not I, I you know it's entertaining TV, but I just I don't watch most of those uh, most of what comes out that like most people are talking about these days because of that reason.
0: <laughs> so when you sit down to edit a video, um, how long does it typically take you?
1: I mean, it depends on what uh, what kind of video you're editing. Um, like if you're doing like a 30 second commercial, that could take, like, a week, you know, a week to two weeks. But if there's, like, intense animation, it could be a month. If yeah. you're doing um, – I've, I've edited a short film, and that took, like, four months to edit. I mean, it just depends on what you're really working on, uh, depending, like, for time, you know, for how long something takes. But, I mean, you can do a 10-second a commercial – a 15-second, like, web spot could take two months if it's really intense, you know, graphic work and
0: stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just all depends. It's all different. (laughs) So
0: for the movies, like for a full length feature film, um, Mm -hmm. how just describe to me how editing works for that.
1: Yeah. um, So I've, so I haven't, so here I've edited, I've worked on a couple feature length documentaries, but like I haven't edited, you know, I haven't been an editor on a feature film, but basically what happens is while the movie is being filmed, every day like the footage is being sent to an editor who's then sending back the best takes back to the director. And then they look at that and make sure that they're on the right track. They don't reach anything. And then once all the film is done, they just you know, this editor works, you know, for a year to eighteen months to complete an edit. And it's really intense. <laughs> it's uh something I've never personally done, but I you know, I read a lot and listen to a lot of people talk about it. And uh that's like a very lonely but rewarding job,
0: yeah, I mean, I couldn't that it just seems so hard. you're just sitting there by yourself, just cutting and cutting and and you gotta watch the scenes over and over and over. It must be brutal, but I mean, if you're someone like yourself who loves doing it, then it's not work. It's like a puzzle,
1: yeah, and like yeah, and I have sometimes I have trouble watching the same thirty second commercial that I'm working on over and over again, so I couldn't imagine watching the same, you know, the same first 20 minutes of a movie, like for 50, 50 times, just to right. make sure it's right. You know, like it, it would probably be, would be pretty aggravating.
0: Right. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And so for you, when you are editing, like you were saying like a 10 second commercial or 30 second commercial, is it just you or do you have a, a team?
1: No. So I have a, so I work um, with this company uh, called Consume Media. We're, we're based here in Atlanta and basically I'm like the, I guess, lead editor, as you would say, but we've got other people in the office that um, edit, that animate, that help me out. I mean, it was you know, I'm not the only person uh, working on anything at any given time. But normally, I'm the, I do, you know, I do the heavy, I do some heavy lifting, I'll say, on on some of the, front. yeah. So with but but I have a great team. They're gonna listen to this. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's- they're, they're
0: awesome. Well, I was going to say with uh, a. So, like, if, if it takes a team to do a 30 second commercial, when you work your way up to, like, what you were saying, like a full length documentary, is, is there a giant team of people? Uh, there's a team. Uh, so, basically, in the, when you're working on a documentary
1: or feature film, the people, it's basically the editor and the director are going to be doing a lot of the, you know, doing a good amount of the work. And then there's, you know, assistant editors and maybe some interns that help in the beginning stages. But after like organizing and, you know, rough selections are all done, I'd say the last, like, I don't know, 60% of the edit is probably solely done by the editor and the director, maybe like an, an, another assistant, but, wow. Um, but yeah, there's like, they get help in the beginning, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably the most intense job as, that you can do as an editor, yeah. edit a feature film.
0: That is very high pressure. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So for you, as someone who loves edits and loves cuts, do you like PowerPoint transitions?
1: Um, dude, that's so funny you asked that because Pete, there's some, sometimes we're working with clients that suggest like those things as ideas, and, uh, no, I don't like, I don't <laughs> like the cheesy, cheesy star white, you know, it's just like, and some, you know, you know, some older clients like they don't understand it. It's like, you know, th- this is cool. Right. And I'm just like, mm, we'll <laughs> yeah. see how it And it just, it doesn't it works works Wow.
0: You're not, you're not a fan of the, when the slide falls backwards and then another slide comes popping up that doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Or like
1: when, or when text like bounces, just like a, <laughs> bounce in. Yeah, we. I try to avoid
0: that. That's <laughs> that's so, that's sure. so funny. <laughs> wow, because I thought you know, like it, I feel like someone like you who loves this stuff so much. If if they if someone did a PowerPoint and it was just like slide, slide, mm-hmm. it, it would drive you nuts. But that's funny. Yeah. that you, you don't like the the extra PowerPoint transitions. Yeah,
1: I just think. I mean, yeah, just because. I mean, you said it like. Sometimes it feels like a PowerPoint. I mean, you know, people, you know, people have that have, had that experience working with PowerPoints. I feel like that they can recognize when something like feels like I don't know a cheap transition or something.
0: Mm-hmm. So with your two career paths, you know, you're doing stand up and you're also doing video editing. Is there ever a point or have you ever experienced a point where you could take some of the comedic timing or the writing or whatever from stand up and apply it and use it in video editing and animation?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps when we're work when we're editing like comedic pieces because that does help with timing, like knowing, okay, you, you can't hang on this shot too long. Cause it's not funny enough for the, to cut to the next shot. You, you got to hit on like the right amount of frames. So the reaction is funny or something like that. So when we are working on like funny pieces, yeah, I, I think it helps a lot. Um, but then, you know, sometimes we're doing like serious stuff. So then I just got to turn that off <laughs> and be like, all right, let's, yeah. you know, let's make this a serious video. Um, but yeah.
0: Right. Well, I feel like I feel like in both timing of the edits and of the cuts is incredibly important because like what you were saying for comedy, you hang on a shot too long. The joke stops being funny or something if it's a visual gag, it doesn't come across as clearly. And same thing with dramatic pieces, pieces that aren't supposed to be funny. If the timing's off, it can just be weird. It can be an awkward feeling left to the viewers. So I guess in both your timing is critical.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, comedy, that's like, that's the oldest, you know, key to comedy is timing, right? I mean, and a huge thing is is like word selection and how can you, how can you be as concise as possible, but it still be funny when you're saying something like doing stand-up. So, so that's kind of like part of editing too. It's like, how can we, how can I cut some extra parts out to make this as punchy as possible? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, very similar. I didn't, I guess I didn't think about that until you brought that up, but yeah.
0: Do you produce? Like this. Oh, oh, go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. I was just rambling on. You, <laughs> you we go.
0: Well, I was gonna say, do you produce um, either you by yourself or with friends any of your own content of uh, videos or anything or podcasts or anything like that?
1: So I, so when I was in Athens and I was working on that reality show in Athens, a couple friends of mine and I that were in the comedy scene, we had kind of like an idea for like a you know like a YouTube series. Um, and we we filmed it. We we made like three or four episodes. We kinda rushed through it. And, you know, we had a good time, but basically it was it was this sketch uh show called like airline food, which is just about like two up and coming stand ups in Athens just trying to make it. Um and so yeah, so that's probably like the most original content that I've ever developed. Mm-hmm. Um but I wanna do more. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so with that with that web series, uh, is it still on YouTube? Can you still find it? So it is it is on YouTube. It's still up there, I'm pretty
1: sure. Um it was so it, you know, I filmed it and it was the two stars were Shanika Kendi and Jake Brannon. They're two comedians um that started in Athens and are now both in Atlanta. So uh yeah, yeah, you can check it out for sure.
0: That's very cool. And you know, as you're talking yeah. about the Athens comedy scene—I had no idea that there was such a, a growing stand-up scene in Athens. Is it just stand-up, or is there an improv and sketch scene there as well?
1: So I know, like, so I never really did improv or sketch comedy, uh, but I do know there have been like you know student groups um, in Athens that you know started up by like UGA students that are different sketch comedy groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really cool that they're is a scene so I haven't done stand-up in Athens probably in like I don't know a year a year and a half uh so I don't know like where the scene is at right now because like everyone the scene you come up with is like people that are students and then everyone graduates and so people move either they move to Atlanta or they move to another city so um but the stand-up scene in Athens definitely was cool uh when I was coming up and, and it still is cool I just I just can't speak to how like expansive it is this moment because I'm not living there you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's cool it was like it's just fun It was just like different I'm sure it's just like the same different ways you know students coming in wanting to try stand-up try improv you know creating avenues for that um it was like we I think the number of shows that were created in Athens like stand-up shows and sketch shows from like the time I started to the time I left it was like you could do every stand up show in a month in Athens, and you'd be on like five shows the whole month because mm. it just wasn't like that big of a scene. And then it grew to where was like, oh, there's there's a show every night of the week. You know, you can do like 15 cents in a month in Athens if, if you wanted to. Um, so, yeah, it was a really cool scene to come up in for sure
0: wow it, it's interesting too because as you're talking about UGA I mean UGA obviously is known for the football that's when people think of University of Georgia it's the football but it is there a big arts community in Athens and UGA as well
1: yeah I definitely think so I mean Athens definitely feels um, it's got this artsy vibe I mean football is huge but also music is really huge in Athens, like, a lot of people just think, like, oh, R.E.M., B-52, like, that's oh, happening. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that part of that, like, how how big of a music scene that Athens is kind of helps with the comedy scene, because there's already these spaces to perform. I mean, you've already got, you know, a hundred bars in, like, a square mile area that have stages on them,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: You, you can start a show up there, like, one night of the week where there's not a band playing so. Uh, yeah, I think all that it, it is a cool like artistic community that kind of all bleeds into each other.
0: Mm-hmm. That, I, I love to hear that. And uh, for my friends who go to University of Georgia, I mean I would totally encourage them to go support that side of Athens and of UGA because I think that's very, I think that's super important. and it sounds like you were there when it when the foundation was being built, so I can't even imagine what it is now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I was, the, I think the foundation was just late. Uh, so basically, like, I started uh, with a buddy of mine doing stand-up, and at that point, Caleb Simon was the host of Open To It. I'm sure people have probably mentioned his name on, on your podcast before. Um, but basically, he was still the host at that time, so it was cool for all of us, like, all the comedians in Athens to kind of watch this guy just takeoff you know just like his comedy and his style and then from there you know he hands the show off to jake and shauna who are running open toes now and uh it's just cool to see like the influence like you know how it just all spreads Mm -hmm. you know around the the community so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah definitely for sure and now to talk about you and your personal stand-up because you said you haven't done it in a while so when do you think when do you think you're going to return to the stage
1: So, um, all right, so let's see. I actually did stand up last night for the first time. Oh. So, I just got back on the horse, I think, uh, last night. And it was, you know, I had a good time. And I think, so, and I'm just going to kind of keep rolling with it again. So,
0: um, where did you perform?
1: So, last night was at Meehan's uh, Irish Pub in Atlantic Station. Mm hmm. yeah, so um that's where it of was last night. And then yeah, so basically I've taken like two long breaks <laughs> in my comedy career. One was like three years and one was about like eight months. So but pretty pretty but much how I've done it.
0: You're back now. You've you've returned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so did was it was it weird? Did it feel like uh, you were starting over, or was it kind of muscle memory? And on top of that, did you write new material, or were you reusing it to kind of get back into it?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so to answer the second part, I definitely. So I did all new material except for my closing joke because I was like, I need to make sure this is still funny, you know. So I did all new material except for the closing, and I did that because like I, I part of me getting out of the company was I was getting sick of me saying the same things over and over again mm-hmm. and not willing to take a risk to, to try new material. So, so I definitely came out with new material. Um, and starting back, I don't know, it, it felt, I wasn't nervous, but I knew I've already had enough like bad sets to know what can happen, you know, versus like when you're starting out, you haven't had a bad set yet. So you're right. just like, what's the worst that could happen? But I I know the worst that could happen. So I was like, I I hope the worst thing doesn't happen because, you know, Um, so, yeah, so I just kind of already knowing a little bit about, you know, my past comedy uh, experiences Mm -hmm. um, made it a little bit hard. But, you know, other than that, it's all great.
0: That's, that is all, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome to hear. And you said you wrote new content for it. Uh, So what is your writing style? How do you write your comedy?
1: So it's, I mean, I try to, I I wish I could just sit down and write, you know, just like taking an hour out of the day and just write something down. But that doesn't really happen for me. It just kind of happens in the moment. If something funny happens at work or like at a friend's house or, you know, Whatever I'm doing, I'll kind of pull my phone out and just write a note in my phone and hope hope that I look at that later and remember what I wrote down and remember that it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically how I re- like how I come up with stuff. It's just like, all right, this funny thing happened. Let me see if I can rework it to, you know, to tell other people. Um, but yeah, but I just write, you know, I have some one liners, some like short, like two sentence jokes. I, I never do like a a long story, uh, but that that I mean that's just so hard to do. But there's some really good comedians that can do it. But I'm not like a storyteller, so mm. to speak.
0: Mm, okay, so you're very much like a very quick setup punchline. There's not a lot of meat in between. I mean,
1: there's, there's categories. You know, like so I'm Jewish, so I'll have I'll talk about being Jewish, and then mm-hmm. but it's not like I'm not going to do a five minute bit about my bar mitzvah. You know, but I might have a joke about my bar mitzvah, a joke about my family. You know, it's like. Oh, you know what i'm saying like it's it's like categorized but
0: yeah so okay i got you so um and just so you know i'm jewish too and i'm sure oh, yeah? i'm i'm sure if i sat down i could write a million jokes about my jewish family like like oh, yeah. i like i feel like all jews can i feel that's universal that's a universal thing
1: yeah it's, it's like it's like the easiest thing it's like where i just like go to my parents house friday night Yeah, i've got a week
0: of material pretty much exactly i and and see the funny thing is only jews can understand that like anybody else is like wow this is what are they talking about but no you get it and i get it and all other jews get it so yeah (laughs) yeah lewis let me ask you this um today who is your favorite comedian who do you keep going back to for inspiration or just a good laugh
1: um my favorite comedian today I like you know I've been getting into um who I'm trying to think of like who would I say specifically honestly like the other day I just started to watch a lot of Theo Vaughn I don't know if you know him but he's like a pretty ridiculous comedian um he's pretty funny uh like Tom Segura is really good his latest special on Netflix I really like Mm -hmm. um I don't know I mean if I could yeah, Rory Scoville. I love Rory. He's he's a pretty funny comedian. Um, but like I, you know, oh Nate Bargatze. Like you know, comedians like that that
0: mm-hmm.
1: are. I mean, like none of them are the same, but you know, they they all have like their unique style.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Well, those are those are all good choices. So
1: yeah, yeah and I love listening to the comedy podcasts. Oh yeah. So, anytime, so you know, anytime I can listen to the stand-up comedian talk.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because you said you listened to some other episodes of talking late night. So, yeah, I mean, I've talked to amazing comedians from all over the place. From all over. And what's very cool about it is they all come, uh, they all have different inspirations for how they got into it, and they Mm -hmm. all have a little slightly different way on how they write or they tell jokes. And, um, I mean, you prove that point. Everybody comes from a different background. So I think it's very cool that you started but then stopped, but then you knew that you loved it, so you're back in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah,
0: it's, um,
1: yeah, I I like doing it. It's, It's a hard, like, there's so many awesome, like, comedians out there, even in Atlanta, that are just grinding day in, day out, and they're probably going to make it one day, but I still have not gotten to, like, the grinding stage yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So, because I get close, and then I'm just like, oh, this is kind of, uh, this is too scary. So then <laughs> I just kind of, like, back out a little. You know, like, so hopefully this time, the closer I get, I'm not going to back out again.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. You You'll go for it. Yeah, because you know what? In who knows in a couple months or a couple years, when if you keep it up and then you get to the point where you're incredibly, you're doing incredibly well for yourself, you can come back on the show and we can talk about how your life has changed thanks to comedy.
1: I'll, I'll book it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. It'll make, it honestly make me keep it. If you're, if you're like two years from now, I'm going to call you back up and ask about your standup. I would have to do, I would make myself do standup for the next three years.
0: Yes. But. Well, then, then we'll do it in two years from right now. So in 2020,
1: unofficial act. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'll give you a call and we'll bring you back. Uh, but for my final question for you, for the show, it's a question I yes. ask all my guests. Um, and you can answer it, uh, applying it to your stand-up life or your video editing life, whichever career pathway you'd like to apply this to, or both, whatever. Um, but the question mm-hmm. is, if you were to give someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes one piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give?
1: What piece of advice would I give? Honestly, I would just say uh, be a be a nice person, you know, and always. Stay connected to people that um uh, are also good people pretty much. Like, you know, good people like to help out good people. I feel like that's you know, that's how I feel. And also, you know, your perception of yourself is not as much of a big deal. I, I don't I don't know how to say it. But basically, yeah, just, just be a good person and, and things happen, you know, things will happen, you know. Yeah. That's, that's where I feel.
0: Very true. Yeah. It- I, can, I completely agree. And Louis, um if people want to reach out to you maybe um because they want your video editing services or they eventually want to see you perform stand up, how can they uh, find out more about you?
1: Yeah, um so I I'm not like the most social, socially active person but if you go on like my Instagram I might be posting about uh, that I'll be doing I'll be at the laughing skull next week for an open mic like right right before they start the festival so if anyone wants to come see me April 24th on Tuesday um, I'll be there but uh, and then yeah if you need I don't know any post services you can either go to my website com or the company I work with uh, Consume Media or the company I work for actually Um, and uh, yeah we do some cool stuff so
0: Perfect. Well, Lewis, thanks again for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate talking to you.
1: Yeah, I, this was fun, Max. I didn't know how it was going to go, but I think it was uh, not, not as bad as I, as I thought. No, <laughs> but, it was good. It was, it was good.
0: We won't have to archive this episode. I'll be able to release it.
1: Okay, that's, that's good.
0: I feel good about that. So okay. you, you passed the archival test. Excellent job. All right. You did
1: that, it. I was afraid.
0: Yeah. Well, Lewis, thanks again for being on the show. And to anybody listening, um, remember, you can check out more Talking Late Night episodes at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Talking Late Night. And you can find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave us a review. So thanks again to Lewis for being on the show. Thanks to you